Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you again in Airdrie and to be able to share the Word of God with you. And so it's nice to be here in the church. And of course, we send our warm greetings uh, to all those who are watching us on the live stream. We're all one family together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your Word, we ask that you would speak into our lives, that you would bring reassuring and strengthening words that will bless our hearts. And we thank you, Father, that your Word is always relevant, that it meets us where we are and helps us to get to where you want us to be. So, Lord, bless us as now we consider your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the issues that concerns me about a good number of Christians today is that many appear to have lost their confidence in God. They have little expectation that God's actually going to do anything, that He's going to move in their lives or move in society. But we have such a great and all-powerful God how can we go about living our lives day by day with such a low level of expectation, such a low awareness of the fact that He is close beside us? How can we possibly believe that this God who created the universe is not interested in the everyday things that affect us in our lives? How big is your God and mine? We often sing, as we did this morning, here in our spirits, at home doubtless with your voices, How Great Thou Art, a wonderful hymn. Uh, and it reminds us of the greatness of, of our God, but how often do we actually limit Him in our own lives and experience because of our lack of faith and our fear of being disappointed? in some way. When I was just a young teenager, just starting out on the Christian pathway, I remember hearing about a book written by J.B. Phillips. Some of you will remember J.B. Phillips and his translation of the New Testament. And he wrote a book which he called, Your God is Too Small. And we can all remember times, times in our lives when personal problems that we've been struggling with have loomed so large that, it, that they seem to blot God out altogether from our experience. And it was at just such a moment in their experience that God said to the Israelites, long ago through the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 46, verses 9 to 10, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other, and there is, I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Many years ago, I remember singing this uh, well-known song. I'm sure you've heard of it. 
My Father is omnipotent, and that you can't deny. A God of might and miracle. It's written in the sky. It took a miracle to hang the stars in space. It took a miracle to put the world in place. But when He saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. No wonder the prophet Jeremiah could say in Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. In the passage that Paul read for us in Genesis 18, we're told the story of three visitors who came to Abraham one day with a special message from God. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah, by now an old woman, hears the message on the other side of the tent flap, earwigging, as often we're all prone to do when we are excluded from a conversation. She's listening in, and as she hears that, she laughs with skepticism. And God, through the messengers, challenges them and challenges Sarah with a question in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, when we read that story and we read the whole of Scripture, we discover this glorious truth. First of all, no promise is too hard for God to fulfill. Let's remind ourselves of the background to this particular story. No promise is too hard for the Lord to fulfill. God promised Abraham in Genesis 12 2, he'd be the father of a great nation. However, as the years passed, it increasingly looked as if Abraham and Sarah would remain childless. And by the time we reach Genesis 15 and verses 2 to 5, we see the first signs of Abraham beginning to lose hope that God was ever going to fulfill the promise He had made to him. We read in these verses, Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You've given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. That's why Paul in the book of Romans can describe Abraham and call him the father of faith. And for a while, Abraham's faith was strong. He believed that God would fulfill that promise. But, you know, Satan's a very subtle adversary, and he knows that we like things to happen sooner rather than later in life. He knows that we're very impatient, and we find it hard to cope with the fact that although the wheels of God grind surely, they certainly often can grind slowly. 
2 Peter 3, 8 to 9 reminds us with, a day, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you. You see, God is not a slave to time as we are. We've got our watches on. We're keeping track of time. God is not a slave to our watches. He isn't a slave to our diaries either, or to our calendar, as Abram discovered in Genesis 21, as Joshua found out in Joshua 10, when he discovered God could even suspend the law's governing time in order to accomplish His will. Is anything too hard for the Lord. No promise is too hard for God to fulfill. This morning, you may be passing through a time of trial. This morning, you're trusting in God to fulfill His promise, the promise that He made to you. Perhaps He made to you some time ago, perhaps even many years ago. Yet, as the days and weeks and months and years go by, perhaps it almost seems as if God is no nearer to fulfilling His promise. Perhaps you're beginning to ask yourself this question, is God reluctant to keep His promises? This story could only have come from the United States, as you'll discover, of a man, the story of a man who once promised the Lord he would sell one of his calves and give the money to missions. But later on, he ignored his pledge, and he didn't keep that promise he had made. And every time he went to church, an inner voice reminded him, the calf must be sold. Still, he did nothing about it. As they do over in the States, one afternoon, Sunday afternoon, they had a great big open-air convention and meeting, an evangelistic meeting in the rural community where he lived. And as he was approaching where the people were gathered, they were singing an old gospel hymn which some of you will possibly remember, the half has never yet been told. But the man's conscience was bothering him, and he misheard the words they were singing, and he thought they were singing, the calf has never yet been sold. And they rushed straight up to the front, as they did doing these kind of meetings, right up to the altar at the front, to where the preacher was, and he said, stop singing. I know the calf has not been sold, but it will be tomorrow. From the human perspective, people are often reluctant to keep the promises they make. We make promises to God. We don't always keep them. We make promises to one another. We don't always keep them. Employers and employees make promises to one another and then break them, and that's why industrial relations are often a minefield of problems and difficulties. Husbands and wives break the promises they make to one another resulting in marriages that are destroyed and families that are broken up. But God never breaks His promises, and God is not reluctant to fulfill them. Please remember, He's not working to our timescale. 
Is God reluctant to keep His promises? Or perhaps you're asking the question, is God able to keep His promises? Well, Genesis 21 verses 1 and 2 give us the answer to that particular question. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what He had promised, even though she laughed. And there are times when we're like Sarah, we say, Lord, I don't know that you can do it. But he kept his promise. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the very time God had promised him. See, God is working to his own time scale. Was that a coincidence? I don't believe in that kind of coincidence. That was divine providence. God was keeping His promises. Numbers 23 and verse 19 reminds us, God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? The psalmist says in that glorious Psalm 119 in verse 140, your promises have been thoroughly tested because God has kept His promise to Israel, brought them to the promised land, Joshua, at the end of a long life, could stand up before all the people and say in Joshua 21:45, not one of all the Lord's good promises failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, no promise is too hard for God to fulfill. And whatever He has promised you, please this morning be reassured from Scripture. God will keep His promises, and God will fulfill them for you according to His timescale. Secondly, Scripture shows us no problem is too hard for God to solve. Now, God doesn't promise you and I will have a trouble-free life when we become Christians but He does promise that He'll be with us each step of the journey. Taking a stand for God in the world can land us in hot water. Joseph found himself for years in prison. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves thrown into a fiery furnace, and Daniel was cast into the, 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 the lion's den. But God didn't abandon His servants, and He doesn't abandon us. No matter the problems that we face, no matter the difficulties that we go through, God is there with us all the time. Genesis 39.20 said, while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. And then… God joined His three faithful servants, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar says in Daniel 3.25, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. There's a pagan king, witness to the presence of God in the midst of the fiery furnace with His servants. And God was in the den with Daniel, closing the mouth of the lions so that he would 
emerge unharmed. Interesting, you read on in that story, it wasn't because the lions had been fed and therefore weren't hungry that Daniel escaped. No, as soon as those who had accused Daniel uh, were arrested after Daniel was brought out without a scratch, they were thrown into the lion's den and they were immediately devoured by the lions. So, God is with us in the midst of whatever problems or difficulties that we may be facing at this time. God is with us in the midst of this COVID crisis. He is by our side. We are not on our own. And brothers and sisters, we do not have anything to fear because God is by our side. The Lord is with us, and He will lead us through. Whatever our problems are, they're not too difficult for, for God to solve. This is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3, verses that I have often read when meeting with folks who have been in deep distress because of circumstances and personal loss. This is what Isaiah said. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is with us. He is there to help us and to give us the victory over the difficulties we encounter in life. I came across this little poem I should have fallen farther down beneath the plunging waves. I couldn't swim. The churning sea pulled me a dozen ways. God held me up, although I could not feel His careful hand. I wondered how I'd stayed afloat and did not understand. But as He held me up, He placed the knowledge in my breast. The victory belongs to Him. I only need to rest. Whatever problems you are facing in your life today, God is saying you only need to rest in me. Trust me, because I can deal with whatever problems you are facing. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No promise too hard for God to keep no problem too hard for God to solve. Thirdly, no prayer too hard for God to answer. 1 Peter 3.12 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. Moses, Deuteronomy 4.7 says, the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him. God takes great delight in answering our prayers. 
And Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. No prayers too hard for God to answer. On July the 20th, 1976, the Viking 1 spacecraft touched down on the surface of Mars. There was a computer in this, and it was programmed to work until 1994. And to begin with, the scientists were delighted because it was performing beautifully, sent back information whenever it was asked, until November the 19th, 1982. On that day, the team in the lab radioed some instructions up to the spacecraft's computer and expected a response, but no answer came. The uplink message wasn't acknowledged, and no downlink reply was given. And although they worked and worked on this, the spacecraft remained silent and has remained silent ever since. As Christians, in our uplink with God, we have the assurance we'll not have that connection problem. We'll always connect with the Father when we pray to Him, and our communication with God in prayer will never go unheeded. God hears us, and God answers our prayers, and sometimes God even answers before we ask. The story was told of the young man who was going through college to prepare for ministry, and money ran out as frequently it does when youngsters are going through college. And in desperation, he prayed to the Lord for help. Could, could someone move? Could he move someone to send some money to him so he could continue? The next day, he received a large check, and he was able to continue his studies. And at first, he was happy. God answered my prayer. And then he looked at the letter and discovered that the letter and the check had been sent days before he had ever prayed and asked God to send it. And suddenly, the edge was taken off his joy. Maybe it wasn't God after all who had answered his prayer. But as he was reading through the Scriptures, he read through Isaiah 65, and there in verse 24, it says, before, God says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. And he realized, even before he asked, God had answered. And God is able to do that. No prayer is too hard for Him to answer. And sometimes He answers even before we've asked. That doesn't mean we shouldn't ask, but, but He answers away ahead of time. Is anything too hard for Him? No promise is too hard for God to keep. No problem too hard for God to solve. No prayer too hard for God to answer. And finally, no person is too hard for God to save. One of the two thieves crucified next to Jesus was wonderfully saved on the brink of eternity. As he reached out to Jesus in repentance and faith, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Now, this man was much more than just a simple thief. The Scripture describes him as a thief, or the writer of the Gospels describes him as a thief. But the Romans didn't expend all that effort to crucify thieves. They crucified murderers and political insurrectionists. This man's hand were stained with the blood of an unknown number of people. But even a terrorist isn't too hard for God to save. Zacchaeus was a tax collector guilty of fraud, a man who had robbed the poor to make himself wealthy at other people's expense. This man was not too hard for God to save. Jesus said in Luke 19 and verse 9, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The hands of the Apostle Paul were stained with the blood of Christian martyrs. His conscience was seared with the memory of the suffering he had been responsible for inflicting on early Christian believers. And he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I'd acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul was not too hard for God to save. And if God can save people with that kind of pedigree, like the, the dying man on the cross next to Jesus, like the thief Zacchaeus, like Paul, responsible, responsible for the death of many of Christ's people, if, if God can save them, then no one absolutely no one is out with the reach of God's saving power. You may have been praying for a life partner for years and feel that somehow they have moved so far away from God they're never going to come to faith. Don't lose faith in God's power to save even those who have gone furthest away from Him. You may have someone in your circle, in your family, wider family, group of friends, and you've been praying for them because they've kicked over the traces and they've gone the world's way, and they've assumed the world's values, and they are living a life that falls so far short of what God would desire for them. You may wonder, could God possibly save them? You know what the answer is from the Scriptures. Yes, He can. Yes, He can. 
don't stop praying for them. Pray on. No one is too hard for God to save. And you yourself, if you happen to be listening to this message, may feel that because of the life you've lived, you have taken yourself so far away from God. How could God be interested in you, and how could God want to do anything to change and transform your lives? Well, the cross is the living answer to that. That's how much God loves and cares for you. That's what Jesus endured so that you might be forgiven your sins and reconciled to the Father. No one, absolutely no one, is too hard for God to save. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The question we started with that was brought to Abram and Sarah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No promise is too hard for God to keep. No problem is too hard for God to solve. No prayer is too hard for God to answer. And no person is too hard for God to save. Let's remember the God we serve. Let's remember the God we have put our faith and trust in. Let's not limit His power. Let's not make God small. But as the psalmist says, let's magnify. What does that mean? It means let's make Him great in our lives. We serve a mighty all-powerful God. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you, certainly not any problems or concerns that we may be struggling with today. Give them all to this great and mighty God. Amen. Let's 